Hello. You are listening to the Carol Connection. With your host, Jerry Carroll. Hey everybody, welcome to The Carroll Connection. I am your host, Jared Carroll, here to bring you guys another great episode. I want to take a chance to shout out last week's episode, episode 109, with Shara, Sarah Shinevsky. Tough name for me to pronounce the other day. Um, she is working to become a physical therapist. She's still in school and working to get towards that. Um, we talked about her interest in swimming during her childhood, and then obviously we got into physical therapy, why she does it, and forming connections with her actual clients, which was something super unique and something cool to hear about. So check that out at thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. Also available on YouTube. If you guys like to watch your podcast, you can watch it there. But brings me to today, another huge milestone for me hitting episode 1010. But I'm going to bring in the great Matt Gallup. Thank you, Jared. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you for doing this. Um, so like the intro. Yeah, I had to, had to hit it home with this one. Um, nice. So uh, obviously a big number for me, 110, like I was telling you, trying to hit those milestones and Eventually, 200 is the next target. So, I mean, I'll probably hit that in maybe another like year and a half, if that, depending yeah. on scheduling. But like I said, um, just kind of tell everyone who you are and doing and what you're doing currently, and then we'll dive into the other topics. So, I live in Seekonk, as most of the guests do. Um, I just got a new job as an environmental scientist in Providence, Rhode Island, and a consulting firm. Uh, I've been there like three months now, so I'm still feeling it out. Doing pretty well, though. You know, I like it's an interesting job, but entry level. um, So that has its downsides. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Other than that, um, graduated a little over a year ago from Roger Williams University. Got a bachelor's in environmental science, sustainability minor. Um, Glad that I moved on from that. And I'm at this point in my life. um, Things are good right now. Perfect. And he also has a nice side business that he didn't seem to mention for some reason. Gallup picks on Instagram. You can check it out. We'll dive into that too. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a, one of the big, big things that caught my eye with what you do. Cause I always pay attention to social media and what people are doing. And especially when you're getting with like antique stuff too, some of the stuff that you've been posting that's super dope. And I think that's super unique. And I haven't had someone on the podcast who does something similar. So had to get you on for that. But before we get to that, like I mentioned, uh, I like to talk about family dynamic. And I'd like to kind of explain why, because I might have new listeners for the first time, and some people critique me on this, but I like to do it for the new listeners, is we're laying down like the foundation and the building blocks. So when we talk about family dynamic and like that aspect, I think a lot of things build off that. So a lot of the stuff that happens in childhood affects us in years to come. So I'll kind of let you take the floor with family dynamic as obviously as much as you feel comfortable with. Yep. Okay. I think some of them are going to listen. Um, so I got to be careful with what I say. <laughs> um, so I have a small, like direct family, um, mother and father still around my sister older. She's 25. And as far as one thing that like I missed out on as family goes, is like the big family dynamic. Like I like seeing that when people have that, I'm a little jealous, you know, where you have like 
18 cousins, you know, big, huge cookout every summer that I enjoy because I've been to other people's big family cookouts and it's like, ah, this is kind of nice. Um, so I have a small direct family and then I have an aunt and uncle in Florida, my grandparents, which we could talk about grandparents. They're, uh, very big in my life. I have two left on my father's side. Um, so those are like my, my motivators for my grandparents. You know, I love them a lot. Um, let's see how, what else you want to know? About? We can dive into the, actually the grandparents stuff because, uh, for the people that do listen to my podcast regularly, they do know that my grandfather, my late grandfather was on the second episode and I find grandparents to be so precious and so valuable in our lives. And I get a little choked up thinking about it because that episode is like the motivating factor and why I continue doing this. People ask like, Jared, why would you keep doing a podcast for so long? Like, what if you you get bored of it? What if like you don't find guests? Well, the reason I do it is because episode two and episode two is unique to me because I caught my grandfather at a pretty rare time in his life where he just got diagnosed with brain cancer. And he was very introspective about his life. He talked about things that he did and things that he regretted not doing. And one of his pieces of advice, which I literally got tattooed on me and got his signature mm-hmm. under was take a chance. And he went on this take a chance, like kind of like rant where he kind of told people, if you're doing something that you don't want to do, or you want to try something new to take that chance to not have that regret later in life. Yeah. And he was a huge supporter of my podcast right off the rap, right off the rap. And cause a lot of people were like, podcast the fuck fuck you doing that for like so he was always super supportive in my creativity and pushing those boundaries and taking those chances so i i would like to dive into kind of like the motivation for you with like your grandparents because to me i find them so amazing yeah um well they've always been there since day one i've always like always been in my life um so that's i'm lucky in that regards a lot of people don't have that access to their grandparents you know sometimes it has to do with their you know like your parents relationship with them to like steer you away from like hanging out bringing them around um so luckily i didn't have that to deal with um and i had relatively easy access to spend time with them they lived in rehoboth for the beginning part of my life now they live in somerset so I always, and it's funny whenever I'm not, if I don't see my grandfather for like a couple of weeks, when I talk to him on the phone, I'm like, Hey, just so you know, uh, we're down in Somerset. Okay. If you ever want to swing by, it's like, okay, Papa, I'll be by sometime soon. Um, but yeah, they're, um, it's a little bit promotion. I bad for the camera people. Just the, the way it hits the, the, um, making sure it hit, line the brain up perfectly. My bad. I could have got a smaller bottle. Um, how's it look on the camera? Looks probably pretty good. Sorry, people. Live. I do this live. I don't edit this shit. So is what it is. Yeah, facts. Um, so there. I don't know how would I steer this. Baseball was huge. Like that was. They'd always come to all my games. My grandmother would bring me snacks when we were at Martin School and T-ball. She used to get me a Twix. You know, at the concession stand. <laughs> But, like, on the baseball field, they were always there. My grandfather, like, all the guys I grew up playing with, they know. Like, they know who my grandfather is. He was always there to watch, you know, 
Um, so that's huge that he put, they, both of them put all that time in. Um, they're just very loving. Um, I could go on and on about my grandparents. You know, you said your grandfather passed. I like to think that I take as much opportunity as I can to, like, value them while they're here because I know that there's going to be a day where I'm not going to be able to call them, you know, and that's going to kill me. But, you know, at least I'm, I'm okay with that now. So, like, now that they're here, I'm still, like, building my relationship with them over time. Um, I think that's super important, though. I think that not enough people do that. Yeah. And even before I was even doing this podcast and before COVID, I was living in Texas, and I took time to go fly to Florida because my grandmother. So my family, I had technically six grandparents because my dad's parents separated. And they separated before I was born. So they didn't get remarried technically, but they had pretty much life partners ever since the same life partners. And those were my grandparents. I just considered them that way. So I got lucky. I had six grandparents, my mom's side. And then I had two of them, two separate on my dad's side, which I was like super blessed to have, but it was my dad's actual mom and her partner. I flew to Florida and spent like the weekend with them and went to the beach. And I really wasn't on my phone. I was just asking them about their life, talking to them and like picking their brain about like the way life has changed and like the way, they raise kids versus the way that they grandparent, like hearing, mm-hmm. hearing all these different stories. Cause like, if you've ever sat down with someone who's a little bit older, like they're so eager to talk about like their life because not yeah. a lot of the time people are talking to them. Yep. Like they're usually by themselves, which is a kind of sad aspect of, of growing older and having that ability to be self-aware as an individual, to go and talk to your grandparents, to strengthen that relationship I think that's that's really valuable, and I commend you for doing that because people, especially now, this generation, just like for some reason doesn't feel the need to. I mean, I've seen that family parties like all the time, like the like the younger kids just on their phone, not paying attention to the grandparents, mm-hmm. like like can I have a hug? And like the kids like half ass giving a hug, yeah. and like yeah. I mean, I was that kid too at one point when I was younger. Yeah, but like well, I try to like grow up and like yeah. have that relationship while they're still here. Well, as you grow, you realize like. Okay, you might be battling or something going on, but they've seen it all already. So, like, you can dive into their stories all day, and they can tell you what went on. They've dealt with it before. So I think that that's, once people realize that, you know, they're a book of knowledge. Yeah, no, it's facts. And, like, that's why, like, I made my grandfather one of my first episodes was just like, mm-hmm. I just knew right away, like I wanted to talk to him about this stuff. And he was so eager to talk about this stuff. And like I said, I caught him at a lucky point. Like he got diagnosed and he lived longer than his diagnosis. Um, and it was during COVID. So it will went into during COVID. So he got lucky and was able to pass at his home surrounded by family. Mm-hmm. And he had time to be at peace with the diagnosis. Like when you, if you listen to that episode, he knew he was going to die during mm-hmm. that episode. And like the peace that he had with that was like, so like mind blowing. And it was like, super like kind of reassuring a little bit. Cause I know for myself, I'm someone who ponders that type of stuff. I mean, maybe I'm weird for pondering what comes next, but like the fact that he was just so at peace with what he had done, the things that he's created in this life, even the things that he maybe messed up with or made mistakes at yep. he had regrets but he had a family that loved him 
And I think that's important with when you tie it back to family dynamic, why it's so important. And it's why I lead with this question, because when you're at the end of your life, and this even ties, I mean, I was talking to you about dating and like my own struggles with dating, but like for some reason, I don't know what this generation is like forgot about. Maybe we're so short, was it nearsighted or we're short-sighted in the sense we don't look towards the future of like, you add 50 years to our life. Do you really want to be alone with like your career? I don't think anyone wants that. I mean, I think a lot of people would hope to have some type of partner or family or children or grandchildren. Like mm-hmm. the fact that my grandfather on his deathbed was surrounded by all his children, all their their significant others, all his grandchildren. That's what you want. So what more can you ask oh, for in life? That's, that's a it. life that's worth living. And that's something that I aspire to hopefully one day have and hopefully continue this podcast in some form or fashion is a way to honor his life because I literally thought after a hundred episodes, I thought about stopping. I really did. And I thought about that episode. I'm like, well, if I stop, I'm stopping his legacy right there. I can't carry it any further if I just shut it right here. Mm-hmm. Like he's part of this and I want to make sure this continues. And like, yeah. there's a ton of awesome stuff in that. So that's why I'm glad you really brought up grandparents because I, I'm, I'm the same way I could talk about them forever and i've lost most of my grandparents at this point i have my dad's mom and her life partner and then um my technically it's my grandmother so it's my grandmother who married my grandfather who was on the podcast so they're the only ones who are left my mom's side passed when i was younger so i've experienced the one thing you talked about wishing to have a large family one of the negatives about having actually i have a large family one of the negatives is you experience a lot of death Mm-hmm. And that part was a lot to process as a child. Yeah. And it's like, you don't know. It's like, what is like, what is happening? And unfortunately for my family, it was like seven deaths in like 10 years. It was like, like who's next? Yeah. And <clears throat> that's something that's super interesting. And like to hear your perspective on family and like to wanting the big family. And I am the family that had big family reunions. Like mm-hmm. we literally have this huge carol reunion and shit and like have all the cousins flying in from different places. Mm-hmm. So I'm really g- glad you brought up that point. I want to kind of turn, turn into like the next, next point and you brought up baseball and for myself, baseball was like the first sport I was really brought into. Um, kind of talk to me a little bit about the sports you played growing up and I'm assuming baseball was probably your favorite the sport. Yeah. yeah. So we'll talk, talk to me a little bit about sports and then lead into kind of like why baseball over the others. Um, well, that kind of goes hand in hand. My family, like always went sister, mother, father, grandparents at every game always. Um, so that partially, you know, that was like an event for them too to be at the, at the field, you know? So it was like a family thing was uh, spending time at the field. When but did you start playing baseball? Early, whenever T-ball was. Five, <laughs> five. Early, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it was a lot at times where looking back now, we probably could have pulled back on some of it because we'd be at the field for the whole day. Like, I remember Rehoboth SummerSlam played three or four games in one day at 11 years old, you know. And then we go into the championship game at the end of the day, just beat in the sun all day. Like, that was a lot, you know? Luckily, it's baseball. Like, you kind of, you know, you got stamina. You can hold up. Yeah, not as physically as demanding as, like, something like basketball or football or soccer where it's, like, constant. 
Yeah. Uh, physical endurance. Yeah. It's more mental. Like, yeah. just being locked into the game after sitting out there, you know, hours on end. Yeah. I wanted, to, hard. I wanted to talk about, too, like, I know your dad coached a lot, too, and it overlaps a little bit with my dad coaching as well. So mm-hmm. I know that's where part of the, the relationship we have stems from. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that value, because that's something that I've grown up to. In, in the moment, I used to fucking hate it. Like, my dad would ride my ass all fucking day. Like, he'd yeah. be the hardest on me. Yeah. And as, as I'm older, I appreciated that because I wouldn't be the person who I am without that. Sure. But talk to me a little bit about that that dynamic for you, having your dad as a coach. Um, well, the biggest appreciation I have for it is looking back now where I work a, you know, 10, 12-hour day and I go home and, you know, I'm exhausted, but. I'll end up doing something, but he would work five to five, come home, pick us up, you know, and then go to the field, coach a game, have the, have to do the lineup. You know, it was a lot. And he used to do it day in, day out, like, and then have practices ready to go. Dad was notorious for his four hour practice. You know, once a summer, the all-star team, we'd be out there for four hours. Like the dude was putting so much time in for that. And uh, a lot of the guys that, you know, because a lot of, like, the all-star team was the same throughout, like, whatever, 9 to 14, 15. Um, so a lot of those guys, we they'll bring it up often and talk about it in times, like, with my dad coaching. Um, so I have a big appreciation for the level of effort that he put in. So that taught me a lot, just seeing that. Um, as far as like our personal relationship on the field was, it was kind of like we weren't like this out there. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. Not not in a sense like he wasn't on me the whole time. I'm saying like he was coaching the team. He wasn't coaching me, you know. So it wasn't like I was me and him just like collaborating the whole time, talking like. He was doing his thing. I was doing mine. You know? I think um, there's value in that, though. Like, yeah. Because, like, well, like, that was the right way to do it. Yeah. Because, like, even, like, what you mentioned, too, was, like, your friends bring it up, too. And, like, now your friends have a positive memory of your dad mm-hmm. as well, which is, like, super awesome to have a dad that's involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that I'm really big on, especially with the way society has progressed the last several years. Um, Just having positive male role models in life. like. Yeah. My dad was like, the way I look at the way he did everything, similar thing. He'd wake up super early, worked really late, long hours, pick us up, take us to football, take yep. us to baseball. Oh, I remember seeing your father at the fields. Always, always. Shirt tucked in, new, new balances on. <laughs> yeah. Always. It's literally, the, the, I joke about it all the time, it's the classic fucking dad shoes. Yep. Like, he got the ones for cutting grass, he got the yep. regular new balance. Like, yeah, my dad was the same way, but he had his... Uh, Timberlands on, or his red wing, his steel toes on. Dude, one take those off. It, it's just like having those positive like memories of my dad is something like I'm super grateful for because the more people I've talked to, I realize that a lot of people don't have that experience. Mm-hmm. And like, I hope one day that I could give that to my kids to be in, as involved in their life, whatever they do, whether it is like a sport, whether it is like a hobby, whether. If it's a son or a daughter, whether they want to yeah. play sports or want to do like something extracurricular, whether they get into like something creative, like music or yeah. something, like and you don't have to be a coach. That was yeah. like, as long as you're there and you're helping out behind the scenes, like that's fine. 
that's important too. Yeah, I would yeah. agree too. It's like just being there. It's just yeah. it, it can be just as important as coaching. And because like part of me, like I've tried coaching before, and it, it is it's so demanding. Like it's I mean there's there's so many different personalities that you have to account for, in the way people communicate is different. And it's like as a coach, you're coaching a different and a totally different generation of kids. Like the way when we were playing to the kids now, like the way they operate is so different and the way they, they perceive things. So it's going to be interesting to see how that progresses. But with baseball, there's something about baseball where like you mentioned the mental aspect, Mm -hmm. like I'm very big on mental health. So, I mean, there is a correlation there where like compared to other sports, like it's very physically demanding baseball. It's like, make like you said be locked in and be focused for me where you mean I, mentally yeah mentally yeah, sorry okay with me with baseball where i pulled away at certain points it just became too political yeah that was just something that was it's just i just didn't become interested yeah, as you anymore. Get older, yeah, yeah it's just i i felt drawn towards more of like football and like at the time like we just i think coach crawford was coming into the, the mix at, at seekong high school and I wanted, I really wanted to be captain. Like that was something that I, I, I preferred. I, maybe I believed too much in the macho-ness of football and I just like mm. gave up on baseball. Yeah. But I liked that aspect of just the, the team and I pursued that. Um, did, were, for your senior year of baseball, did you, were you captain or anything like that? I, yep. I, I assume that. So I wanted to um, ask you a little bit about that as being a captain because I've had a couple people who've been captains in their sports kind of like the role that you assume as being a captain I know it's like a, especially as a high schooler it's like you're dealing with other kids mm-hmm. that you grew up with so I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit of like kind of maybe some of the struggles or some of the su- successes that you had being yeah. a captain Um, it's a lot I found it to be a lot early on like you're not really developed and if you are at that time kudos to you but like at that time, I was not in the headspace that I'm at now, you know. So, you're still just a little kid. You might be 17, 18, but at heart, like, you know, you're not fighting huge battles. Your biggest battle is on the diamond at three thirty in the afternoon. That's like your battle, you know. Um, so, to lead with not that much experience in life, uh, that's definitely tough. So, you know, when I was a junior. I, you know, being a junior captain is tough because you got to mesh with the older crowd. Um, so that was a struggle. I'm not, I don't really need to get into that. But <laughs> Sounds like maybe there's some, there's some little, little drama maybe possibly there, huh? Nah, well, it's, it's gone. It's, it's yeah, no, it but back is. then, talk, I'm talking. I'm really talking. saying like, there's nothing wrong that happened. No, no. It's yeah. just, uh. I had some lazy motherfuckers it's, when it's I was hard too, to so. be it's hard to get, get maybe are you saying would it be hard to to get because like we had the same issue in football where we made juniors captains yeah and the seniors didn't like that obviously yeah, it's natural yeah so there becomes some type of jealousy and envy it's like why do you have what I want yeah and I noticed that too but I I also know you personally and I know you probably worked really hard to get that which they don't understand that aspect too it's like yeah. you put in the work to get that position. Yeah. So like, I, 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 I can actually, now I know what you're trying to say yeah. too. Cause I, I love all those that. guys that I played. Yeah. With. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. But yeah. To be a junior captain and a senior captain was a whole different ball game, you know, but senior year was, um, 
definitely a lot better in terms of dealing with that, leading a team a little easier to mesh guys together. Um, but I learned a lot of lessons in leadership from the coaches, from the baseball staff there. Like uh, the head coach, he was always on me. And he, like, if I wasn't doing leading or running stretches, or he was on me. And a lot of times I felt like I was doing all the work. Like some of the stuff that he was supposed to be doing, back then I was like, oh, why isn't he like, why does he want me telling these guys to go do that? Now I know why, because that's what a leader does. And the coach can give you the tools, but for a 50-something-year-old man to blend a team of kids together, like that doesn't, that's not how it's supposed to be. You should have a guy that's out there playing, meshing everyone together, because that's how a team's going to form and build bonds. It's not going to be from the coach. The coach lays the foundation, but, you know, the captain has to carry it out. No, that's absolute facts. I mean, that I could totally relate to in that aspect being um, captain of the group that I had to be captain of my senior year was, um, I've talked about it multiple times in the podcast. I love those guys, but it was very, very chaotic. Um, we had a lot of individuals that chose to be individuals and not buy in all the time. Yeah. And like I'm saying, the development thing. Yeah. Everyone's just still young. Like they don't want to be doing what everyone else is doing. They want to be doing their own thing. And it's hard to get them to buy in is because like you're a kid, you don't see the the big picture of like whatever sport you're chasing a state championship. So yeah. it's like you don't sometimes realize how obtainable it actually is until you've like looked at it with like usually a coach, at least from my aspect, the coach would help me kind of visualize and see it's like, oh, you win this game and this, and then this is how you get there. Like it's that easy. Yeah. But like people just see the sport and just think they just want to wear the jersey. They want to be part of the process. They don't they don't care as much about the actual winning part. And I was ride or die football. Like I, that was my life. It was my whole personality. Like mm-hmm. so the way I looked at it was different than like you mentioned these they're just kids realistically. They don't really buy into that. They just want to have fun. Yeah. So like it's hard being that senior leader to try to like get your fellow like classmates at the time, your friends your whole life to to get in line at the same time to mm-hmm. buy into what you're doing. And like, you do have some anger at the coach. like, dude, like you do this. Like, why don't you, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. you have so many characters that you're dealing with. And like, they also want to be captains too. Like, cause that means their senior year, they care a lot about it too. And like, they yeah. also feel maybe some type of entitlement to be a captain, being a senior and being a good player yeah. because there is that aspect of it. Is there any like specific, maybe like, this is kind of cliche and this is kind of like a softball question for you, but like any kind of like life lesson that you could, you could take from baseball or, or whether it was from being a captain, being a player, working with your dad that you've learned to kind of be able to apply it to your actual life kind of post post sports. Decision-making you need to be calm, cool, collected. The guy that strikes out and throws his helmet off the ground and throws the bat. That's not the guy you want to be playing with. You know, because he's not going to make the right decision when time comes. He's going to go back out in the field and he's going to throw the ball to the wrong bag or because he's not thinking straight. When like a big decision needs to be made, you need to be calm, slow down, give it a second, think about it and do it. Because that's what I saw with so many guys that couldn't handle it, getting mad 
pissed off at the coach because he got pulled. You know, that just start going off for the littlest things. They don't end up making the right plays. No, that's 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 super facts. But that's that's baseball. That's in real life too. I've seen it guys at work, you know, the guy that gets snappy with people, he usually doesn't stick around. The guy that's calm, listens to people, makes educated moves. That's usually um, successful. No, I would agree. Like, I mean, that kind of hits home. It hits a little closer than I want it to hit right there. My own personal life. Um, I've That's something that I've actually, part of the reason I like, and I'll bring up therapy here because I like to bring up parts of mental health and getting help when you need to get help is being great, great point with anger. Anger is such a unique um, emotion and sports really bring that out in a lot of people. And you would see it too in those kids who wouldn't listen to a coach or wouldn't respond. Like those same characteristics would translate into the workforce. And I mean, my dad used to say it all the time. Like when it was just like us in private going to practices, like to see the way these people act like if they don't correct that stuff, it carries into into like their work, and like yeah. those are not going to be good people you want to work with. Mm-hmm. So and it's like these aspects are not, and it, a lot of it. I mean, a lot of it stems from family. Yeah. A lot of it is like whether the parents are truly involved, whether the parents actually give a fuck. Like maybe there's a parent that isn't there. Maybe a parent has passed away. Like there's so many different aspects of family that affect the way that people respond to things. And I wish. That mental health was more talked about in a lot of a lot of households. It wasn't talked about in mine for a long time, and part of my yeah, platform. Mine, mine either. That yeah. wasn't a topic of discussion. Yeah, and it's something that I like to kind of bring up is to talk about it because it wasn't mentioned a lot, and it was more man up, don't cry, like get over it. You need to just fucking do it, like. Mm-hmm. And like I was talking to you off podcast, which can be helpful in its own sense. Yeah, and I was gonna say like there is value in that. But I think there is also value in being able to teach, I mean, this is a buzz term, but emotional intelligence and how yeah. to understand what you're feeling, why you're feeling it, and how to process it and let it go. So like you like you said, to make a calm, cool, collected decision. Because if you can understand your emotions and understand how to regulate them, you could probably make a better educated decision that's going to be best for you and the people around you. Mm-hmm. I personally had to learn that through therapy. I was not the most well-regulated with my emotions. I was not very good at assessing a situation, internalizing the emotion, and I would project my emotion on, onto the situation, which usually nine times out of 10 makes things worse. So for a lot of people, especially men, if there is an opportunity to, if you can't afford it, I mean, I know therapy and mental health costs are super expensive. Try it. It's worth trying. I think I always like to just bring up that topic a little bit, but I want to turn into kind of like kind of post-high school. You approach college. Why go to college? What's the reason there? Um, can't say it was like my own decision. <laughs> I I was a good. I'm a good student of anything. So in school, I did fine. Made sense for me to continue that. Um, do I think I needed college for the type of person I am? No, but you learn a lot of things along the way through the four years that you wouldn't get just from going into a trade or doing whatever. A lot of it is like seeing, again, learning from other people, seeing how they act, how they carry themselves. That's like the majority of learning that I got from college. Um, 
But yeah, I started as a business major, undeclared or whatever they call it, undecided. Yeah, I think it's undecided. undecided business. Like, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> um, started with that, did that for the first year, but I took like all the general stuff just because I knew like I'm probably not going to do that. Then when I was in there, not dissing any business majors, but. No, I just some last week so you could do it. Okay. The. <laughs> A lot of the kids I was around were like, most of them were sports. They were doing the sports management sport. type no, shit. No, they were doing. They were playing a sport at oh, the school, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, I'm just here to play whatever. This is the easiest degree for me to get." And I was like, "Okay, are these the type of kids I want to be like collaborating with?" And like, I don't know. There were some good professors over there, but whatever. I made the move. Sophomore year, went to environmental science. My school has a pretty good uh, science department. Um, so that, that I think, was a good move. I got that done by the end of the four years. Um, but, yeah, I had half of it was COVID. I hate saying that. Half of it was COVID. You know, I wasn't there for one year, and I was online. Like, I hated that. I, I actually love being in a classroom. Like, I think it's... I don't know. I enjoy it. Um, I like answering questions. I mean, it makes sense too with with your degree too. Like, I mean, it it sounds, I could be wrong, but it sounds like when you get to the sciences, it makes sense to be a little bit more hands-on probably in the classrooms or certain stuff. A lot of them had labs too. So that was crucial. Um, I'm not really in a lab setting from this job right now. So I didn't like the lab stuff anyway. So I <laughs> that, was, just, that was going to be my next question is like, that is something, would that be something that you want to get into is the lab stuff? No, no, not at all. Is I there like, a reason for environmental science? Cause like, I mean, that is kind of a big change. I mean, I, I get the picture of like business. You just want, you need to pick something to like, to keep going. Yeah. It was more of a business move than anything. Really? Like financial. I just saw like industry wise, environmental is, you know, crucial. It's going to be more important as we go on. So I was like, all right, we'll do that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm I did the same like thing. Earthy, like, nah, I'm not going to put you on the spot with your political nah, views and the not environment. Like, uh, you know, we got to save the planet type of guy. But um, I do like, I love our planet. Don't get me wrong. No, it's, but, um, no, it's not because of that. It's more so like the industry. I saw that that had more progression. So. I think that's, I mean, that's really smart. I mean, I hit, I said it last week. I said stuff like business management degrees are fucking stupid. Sorry to the people that I've had on who had business management degrees. I said that. Hot take coming in. Yeah, I don't care. I don't think I needed to, that was part of the reason I chose accounting was like the way I learned in the early classes was like accounting is the language of business. It's numbers. It's yeah. it's the financial statements. Every business needs an accountant. Mm-hmm. So I made the same move you did. I did, a, I saw that. I wanted to do business, but I didn't know what. And then I saw that I've always been good with math. Math was just something that came easy to me. Yeah. I just liked having answers to shit. Relates well to my life as is, but I wanted that. And I chose that because I looked at all the, I sometimes I wish I did marketing. Like I think I could have done a lot with marketing now that I'm in social media marketing with my podcast. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad I chose accounting because anything that I do going forward, at least I know the base roots of like how to deal with the financial situation. I'm very um financially responsible. I'm financially financially literate when it comes to looking at the financial statement. So when 
long term, if I do start some type of business or I get into a real estate and have to look at these different aspects, I can understand them. Yeah. Do I want to do it forever? Don't really want to, but I also use it to your advantage. Use it to my advantage. Yeah. Like if I started the business, I'd want to be able to understand what my accountant's doing. I'd rather have an accountant, but I'd rather not have to do that work. I'd rather to be able to have the business and run the business. Yep. But that's why I don't believe, it's a hot take, I guess, that you need the management degree. I don't need a degree to teach me how to manage people. Like, mm-hmm. it's a social thing. Like, yeah. if you can't pick up on social cues and, like, social reactions, which a lot of people apparently can't nowadays, and, I mean, it goes into even what we talked about, the uh, being a captain. It's leadership skills. Yep. It's stuff you learn by being in the roles. So anything that I've ever learned on jobs has been on the job. Usually in the classroom, you're teaching like basic shit for the most part. So, and that's why I've kind of like, you like being in the classroom. I hated being in the classroom Mm -hmm. because everything I learned was on job experience. Like the classroom stuff taught me like the fundamentals, like, like being in the business is what taught me the actual facts on how to do this stuff. So I guess I have like a, a different take on it, but like I'm coming from a different angle. Like I could see where you want to be in the classroom, especially when you're dealing with stuff related to science and the environment, then especially with labs, that makes sense. Yeah. The business part, I mean, we talked about working and working remote. I love working remote. I mean, even before COVID was a thing, I made sure most of my classes became online. I didn't want to be in the classroom. Like mm-hmm. I just didn't find the value in it. And I think school's overpriced when it comes to a lot of those degrees. I think it's just like an institute that kind of grabs at young children that don't understand how to be financially literate and yeah. they get caught up in the, in the, in the system, which, which does suck. But I hope that people make more educated decisions going forward. And maybe that requires parents getting a little bit more educated on the matter. Cause like my parents didn't know before I went, like my dad went to school years after he was young. Like when he, like I was born and stuff like that, he went back to school and got degrees. So okay. he didn't have the experience when like, I started to go into school or where Jordan started going to school. So I think my knowledge now, if I get lucky to have kids is to be able to teach them like, Hey, this is what like, he's me. I deal with student loans on like day to day basis. Yeah. Like, so I you see know how these, to get rid of them. <laughs> I can't get rid of them for you. I mean, I could with the delete button, but that's technically illegal. <laughs> Got to take it up with uh, your old buddy Biden. So you don't have a guy. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately I have a guy, but he can't do anything for me either. So, okay. I mean, uh, gets into the the legal ramifications of things apparently. Mm-hmm. So I've tried myself, but yeah, it's interesting to see well, what's the amount. It on, it's on pause again. I hope it gets put on pause again. To be honest, it is until I know. I thought it was. I don't know when. I think it was till end of August. To be honest. All right. I'm so hoping we, they just we got a month. Keep pushing it. Yeah. Well, they wait till it gets there. And then, yeah, and then, then the people they panic. Say, okay, another yeah. one. No, we'll see. I mean, they got to do something with it. I don't know what they're gonna do with it. I mean, the way the economy is functioning right now you dump another payments onto families they're not going to be able to sustain that like it's just gonna make people spend less money so it's going to be interesting to see i hated that we got into a little bit it's more financial than political but like um i'm interested in finances so like i I see this on a day-to-day basis and Mm -hmm. i see people dealing with like going on um what's the word bankruptcy on on some of these loans so like it's interesting to see where see where this is going to take us. Cause I'm someone who's, I kind of have my thumb on the pulse with this stuff, looking at work. Mm-hmm. And if I'll let you know, if things start going really bad with, with work, we're in some trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, but taking a turn too, like now that you've kind of got into the workforce and we talked a little bit about this, like kind of like the monotonous style of being in offices. And I don't think people really understand that. 
yeah. in college because I think there is college experience that's valuable. But I don't think people truly understand until they're in the job. They're like, I have to do this for like 40 years. Mm-hmm. People don't don't grasp that. So kind of looking for like your take on it, like kind of maybe some of the some of the positives, some of the negatives, because you push back on on my take of um, working remote. So yeah. I'm kind of interested in to see your perspective on it. Well, mine mine's like half in the office, half in the field. I've been there three months or mm-hmm. so. And I come, I was moving furniture all throughout college. And so like as physical as you can get. Um, so quickly they realized that I was going to be good in the field. You know, it's like sampling groundwater, soil sampling, stuff like that. So like they've been throwing me out into the field a lot. So I haven't been in the office that much, but actually this week was the first time that they were like, okay, we need to teach you how to write some reports. So. I think the office thing is is weird. I don't like the, you know, it's just not natural. I agree. You know, we're not, our species alone is not supposed to be sitting at a desk for eight hours a day plus, you know. That's just like how I look at it. Um, so when I see some people in there that do that all day, every day, like that's, you know, that that's not for me. I know that. Um, but some people can handle it. It's just uh preference, I guess. But yeah, getting used to it has been interesting. What was the other part of that question? Maybe some of like the positives too, of like being in that environment. Cause you, I think you were more hitting at the, like the social, the social aspect of it yeah. too. Um, well, like the remote versus. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's where we were talking about off podcast and i thought that was interesting to bring in because like my perspective i'm very introverted i want to just do the work and be done with it because this is my social aspect and like because i do go into the office occasionally Mm -hmm. because they want us to because of that social aspect i just argue the way that it's just the way the economy is lined up and the way that the especially with gas prices it's not it's not incentively worth it to go do it especially when this is my job. I don't want to get into that. Like it's, it gets all political and it just gets like mm-hmm. super dicey. I'll tell you off the podcast about some of the, the dynamics there. But like, I think the monotonous part of the office lifestyle is dangerous for a lot of people on their mental health. Yeah. Cause like you said, you see people and like, it's like, they're not even there. They're yeah. just like ghosts of who they used to be. Yeah. And they put on this face with, with working. And I don't think people, because it's not natural, like you said, it's not natural to to be in stuck in these office spaces for eight hours a day. Usually, it's more than that because you got to think about commuting to work and all this other stuff. But like, yeah. it's usually closer to nine to ten hours a day. Yeah. That you're really, and in that's office. like for someone that's sitting in the in their cubicle doing their own thing all day. Like, I don't know. Some people like that. I guess I don't. I, I don't can't. like that. I like being. I like to be able to be in my own environment where I could like go outside and meditate outside if I want to for lunch. Like I could do that at work, but I'm still at work. Yeah. I'm in my home. Like I feel more comfortable here. And I don't think if it doesn't, it doesn't prohibit your work and things are still productive and things are still working and positive moving forward. I don't see the issue with it. The issue is when it becomes negative and it impacts the work and it impacts the relationships. Like if the relationships and the, um, work start to decline i would agree with you then if you have a more social job i would definitely say because there's definitely aspects of the company that i work for that need to be in person that then that work together very closely every day so 
I think it would more because like my job requires you to be very focused on your work. I'm not supposed to be talking to everyone every single second of, yeah. of the day. So like I'm supposed to be locked in. And because if I'm messing up numbers, shit, <laughs> I'm gonna be hearing about it later. Yeah. So it's like there is like a reason to it for mm-hmm. the same time. But I think it's just interesting to see the culture of work because COVID has changed it. And like prior to COVID, um, when I was in the office, it's part of the reason I birthed the podcast was every single day doing the same thing, work, go to the gym, go home, mm-hmm. work, go to the gym, go home. And it just every single day and it was like, what am I doing that provides value? And I couldn't, couldn't name anything. Obviously the work is value. I'm about val- like being alive is valuable, but when it came to purpose or passion, I didn't have anything. So when I started looking at podcasts, I birthed this and it kind of leads into the, like the next topic I wanted to talk about was like the Gallup pick stuff. And when I see that stuff, I could tell you actually care about that stuff. And that's the stuff that I look for in people when I want to invite them on the podcast is like them sharing what they like to do. Because like, obviously there's a financial aspect to it that's I'm assuming brings you some type of value. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. And then, and there's obviously some probably process of like, I'm assuming to a certain extent, restoring some stuff like to, to get maximum value if you can, but like, Talk to me a little bit about why you kind of created that page and like why you started doing that. Um, well, it's just like, it's just flipping in general, you know, I, like I'll flip whatever. It doesn't really matter. I dabbled in numerous types of items, you know, and like me and Eddie Jackson, I don't know if you remember Ed, um, we were doing flea markets for a while, every Sunday, getting up 4am, just like because I was working for the moving company. So they someone would be moving. They'd have a whole spot in the basement. Like, yeah, all that's getting thrown out. Okay. No, it's not. It's mine. I'll take it. And we'd go pick it up, bring it to the flea market, set up early, be out there all morning. You know, we moved away from that because it's it's a lot. You know, that's that's a hustle for sure. And so I try to move like bigger items, singular big items, more you know money more bang for your buck um but how i got into it i've argued that it might be natural like my grandmother she had a consignment store that's like she deals antiques if i'm looking at a house with like you know at a yard sale or something and it's got some old looking furniture i'll text her i'll shoot her pictures she'll let me know if it's like worth anything or not so um, shout out to Mimi. Thanks. If, if she listens. Um, we can send her the link so she knows how to do yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. No, she's pretty good. Good, good. My grandparents are not. <laughs> yeah, no, they're good. They're better than, my grandfather's better than me. But anyways. Um, yeah, so I got into that. I've always loved cars. Um, so that's my main thing. I'm looking for cars. Uh, my dad's got two Mustangs. Like I used to work on those as a kid with him. Um, so that's where that factor got involved. Like, that's why I flip cars, not furniture or whatever, dominantly. Um, but I like selling stuff. That's another thing. Like, I just enjoy that. Having a, someone show up to look at a car and doing it the right way, you know, posting the right pictures, putting a good description, having them show up, break them down. There's a process to it. 
you know, I've I've learned and I think I got it down pretty good now. I'm very confident when I go either to sell something or to go look at something else. I can communicate with whoever it is pretty good. Um, so that's fun for me. And the page, uh, what is it, Gallup underscore? I think it's underscore picks. I don't really know. That goes to show you that it's it's more for fun. Like I'm not posting that stuff for views. It's nice if I get a video that gets good views, but I do it because it's fun. And I got family that looks at that and, you know, it's a conversation starter when we're here or if I'm sitting with family and I pick up a new car, you know, it's good. Um, so yeah, the page is just for my enjoyment. A lot of people like it, you know, they talk about it with me a lot. So, yeah, I think that's perfect. I mean, like that's literally ideally, like you want to have something like if you can have some sort of like side hustle that makes money, best of both worlds. And it sounds like that that's what this kind of is for you. And it's also teaching you valuable life skills, like how to like be a seller i mean like that takes a lot of fucking work to be confident to communicate yourself well to kind of like you said take the right pictures like there is an art form to this and like for sure i mean people go to school for shit like that and like to be able to kind of learn on the fly and kind of figure it out for yourself and even i know you're saying you're not posting it for the views or anything like that but it also helps you promote what you're selling to to a certain to a certain audience sometimes yeah because you might have someone that follows you that's like Actually, I'm kind of interested in that. Like, let me know yeah. what that is. I like, haven't had that happen. Actually, I've had one. I had like a lot of uh, old fishing rods and a kid that I used to play hockey with bought them. But other than that, Instagram has not supplied me with a buyer. You have, you have Facebook too, right? I know Facebook Marketplace Facebook is Marketplace, like, yeah, yeah. That's usually like the hot place where yeah. people ought to do a lot of that. Yeah. I mean- Cause I mean, you could use it as that, but I mean, you're also, your network is, but you want to stay local. You don't want to travel super far to sell certain stuff. Yeah. I mean, cause then it's going to drive down the cost of stuff to like, whether if it's, it's like a car, probably having to like hatch that up and like put on a fucking, uh, I can't even think of the words to load it up and just yeah. drive it around and, and show a, it's a national shipping. Is yeah. It's thing. like, yeah. So like I, I just had that. the one car I just had and I had a bunch of people from like Illinois, Florida, like calling me and i'm just like no i'm gonna wait hopefully i can get someone local you know keep your number just in case but because it's a pain would you ever want to take it to that that place if like if like i mean obviously the money talks i mean i assume yeah. like if you can get it there yeah i mean like those guys were saying like one of the guys was going to give me what i was asking for the car that's appealing and all but there's a headache to it too because say i don't the guy doesn't get the best idea of what the car is through pictures, through videos on the phone. Then it gets out there. Okay. Now there's like this little thing that he didn't see. Now he's calling me like it's too much. So I'd rather take a little bit of money off and sell it to someone nearby. That way it's not, you know, yeah, I mean, that makes headaches. that makes a ton of sense. <coughs> we are getting towards like the back end of the podcast, so I'm going to start tying, tying stuff up. But I know you wanted to bring up one point on Ancestry. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind of let you take the floor at that, and that'll lead into probably the, the wrap-up stuff of the podcast. So I'll kind of let you hit your point with that. Yeah, well, that was uh, like a motivation factor I wanted to bring in for any listeners. Was uh, I find that a lot of people, when they're looking for motivation for something, this is what helps me. It's ancestry. Um, learning about who your family is, where you came from, who you're descendant of, what they did in their lifetime, whether it's 100, 200, 
I'm fortunate because the knowledge in my family is readily available. I can get a lot of stuff offline too. Um, for other people, when I talk my family history to them, a lot of people aren't that interested sometimes because they can't relate, you know, either they don't know or they can't find out, you know, where their family came from. But so like my family came over to, I'll try and keep this brief. I could talk about it all day. Um, my family came over from England in 1630. Uh, just John, the singular male left his family in England John Gallup landed in Boston. He was one of the first founders. Boston was founded in 1630. He was the harbor master. He brought all the ships in to the city, and he had an island that's called Gallup's Island in the harbor. Um, Three years later, the wife and five kids came over. Um, Him, two of the sons ended up getting involved with trade amongst the colonies. Um, Roger Williams Gave John Gallup a little shout out in one of his uh, journals. Um, So there's a lot there. Um, They also got involved with all the local indigenous wars. They were uh, captains in the Great Swamp Fight in 1675. So I got a lot there. This is fucking mad interesting. What the hell? If you you told me a little bit more, I could have led the whole earlier conversation where we talked about family dynamic. Yeah. Well, I'm peeping near family crest over there too yeah that's, you know, that that's, didn't go unnoticed yeah i mean i think eventually i want to get the family crest tattooed somewhere yeah. i mean i've kind of kicked off some shit so i can't really stop yeah it's, it's kinda... on my legs it's not the crest but on the bottom and i don't know if yours has a quote on the bottom or uh, i don't know if Roman, that one i don't Roman know if that numerals. one does I, I think we have one upstairs that i think does yeah like the bottom of mine is be bold be wise it's the family whatever it's on the crest so I have that on my legs. Because I think it's interesting because like we can track ours back too. It's mm. like Ireland and stuff. It's Carol. It used to be O'Carroll. O'Carroll. They yep. dropped, dropped O'Carroll. It. Jerks. Like, yeah. They, I mean, they had to. I mean, <laughs> if mm-hmm. you go back to some of the shit, like people from Ireland were not uh, too, um, how do I put this, uh, yeah. openly accepted when they, yeah, they sure. trans- then they came over. So mm-hmm. to kind of hide, had to drop some of that. But some of the stuff, they've participated in wars and things like that. Like, if you're able to track the, the history, it's fucking, it's so unique. And like, mm-hmm. that goes off to the point. It's like, we're so lucky to be able to have the opportunities that we have because of family. And I'm glad that you brought that point. I mean, my Carol connection is literally the name. And like, I think of like legacy. I mean, people think it's corny and it's some like game of Thrones type shit, but like, it's true. Like it's essential. You, it is. It's, it's like, it's identity. And yeah. like people, I've noticed when people struggle in life, they lack identity. Mm-hmm. So like if you have some type of identity to build off of, I want to build off a legacy where I can create a network of very amazing people who have amazing life stories. And like I mentioned earlier, if you add 10 years to this, who knows where we're all at in 10 years and the network that I could create as long as I continue to to pour into this, pour research, uh, research into this, resources into this, investments into this. Who knows where I could take this and who knows where everyone else is and the network that I could have for um whether it's like my niece or if i get future nieces and nephews or my own children like there is so much i could add to their yeah, lives know a lot of people now yeah, yeah and like that's I mean, true. it's it's that i look at it, i jokingly say it's like i get a new pokemon card every time i do a new episode it's mm-hmm. like i have this trading card of like such a unique person that like yeah. i have on and like it's literally when i scroll through 
my Instagram and see all these amazing people, like it, it brings me joy because I'm taking time not only out of my day, but to work with them and like actually ask about your life because like I didn't know any of that stuff about you. But like mm-hmm. I, I don't know that if I don't ask and I don't sit down and invite you to have a conversation. And I appreciate you for being willing to do this because so many people are afraid to. Like mm-hmm. they don't know what to do, and the or they'll say, "What do I talk about?" Like it's like, bro, like you. You don't have anything to talk about. You're just like a boring person with nothing to say, like, yeah. which is false. But like, I just appreciate anyone that has like the courage and is vulnerable enough to sit across from me in front of a camera with the lights and the microphones and do this because it's not easy. And yeah. it's like, I mean, I appreciate you for doing this. Um, I'm going to start bringing us home towards like my last point. Um, which I told you the question I wanted Can to I finish uh, off. That yeah. Point. I was, that's, oh, what, okay. that's what I was just All about right. to do. I was like, I want to give you the, the last thoughts before we yeah, dive yeah. into the last question. Okay. Go ahead. I'll let you take that. Sorry. Now you beat me to it. I was well, exactly. I thought we were gonna pull from the. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Definitely not. A message out. No, 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 no. That's that's yeah. I got you. The so with ancestry, I was looking into it last night. It's a very old um, belief. It's almost like a religion, if you want to call it that. Um, one of in the Asian culture going back, um, I found that Confucius teachings. Like that was one of his main things that he hit home on was ancestral worship is having the respect for the people that came before you in your bloodline. And that's some, that's how the motivation stems for me. It's, I know who these great, powerful men were and the wives to support them, you know, and the big families and all the land owning, like these were some serious guys, you know, they didn't do all that just for me to, you know, get bummed out because some girl rejected me at the bar. You know, the motivation is, like, I'm going to keep working. That's what these guys did. I know they did. It's on, I can look it up in the books. They went from nothing in America. Now him and his brother each have 200 acres in Connecticut in 1637. They did it in 10 years. Like, these guys were putting in work, you know. So that's my motivation. It keeps me driving. And a lot of people, when I go to talk, you know, a lot of people space out when I bring it up, but I find it essential and I advise people to look into it because studies show that those who know their like background family stories carry more, um, more confidence, more that just adds another factor to your life. Like you have this in the background and like a lot of people can't find their stuff on the internet or their parents can't help them out or they're adopted or they don't know anything but you can just look at if you came from some town in ireland in some year you know mid 1800s you can look and see what life was like over there they might have had a plague running through you know like these people dealt with stuff you can find out like what these people were going through and that can add motivation too. you just figure out like the type of people that you came from type of experiences that went into like what's running through your veins. It's I highly promote it and I promote it to a lot of people that I think it's crucial. And uh, I hope more people look into it. Hopefully some listeners today will go look at the genealogy book sitting with dust on it. No, I think that'll probably, this will probably be some of the lead clips that I promote with, with this episode because I haven't had anyone talk about that. And like, that hits really home for me 
as someone who knows fam- my family history to a certain extent and like has a lot of these documents available to me and ha- is I hate using the word, but privileged enough to be able to track that yeah. because there is a certain privilege to be able to have that. It's because absolutely a privilege. Because sure. I mean, it, it means that your family did something. Like if you're able to track it to a certain extent, True. like they're in they're in the history books. They did something. Like yeah. there's documents, there's newspaper articles, there's some type of physical representation of what they did. Even if it's just your grandparents. Yeah. Your grandfather fought in World War II. Look up the battle or whatever ship he was on. Something crazy could have happened on the ship. Like. Even if he's not around, you can still learn these things. It's facts. And like, even like, you might not think about it like this, but like with even what you're doing with like the Gallup picks and stuff like that, it's, it's continuing up. A, a, I mean, you're, you're leading with your last name. So, I mean, off that alone, it, you're like, you're continuing this legacy that was there. And how I look at social media and the internet, obviously, like I said, granted anything just like crazy happens. Like this is here to stay. And this is going to be part of the future generations. And they're going to be able to, for as far as we know, to look back on this stuff. So like in fucking Maybe 100, my grandkids one day are yeah, going to be watching this. 100, 200 years. Fire me up. Yeah, yeah your grandkids could be watching something like this. Like mm-hmm. your great grandkid, great kid. Wow, I cannot speak. They're going to fucking laugh at me for that one. <laughs> but like they could be looking at this and like looking at what we're talking about and what we're going through right now. And you, like you never know. And like it. It's crazy to think we'll never know because we won't be around probably for something like that. Yeah. But to speak as if it's going to be eternal. And like the way my grandfather spoke in that episode is kind of the way that I, I, I look at that. And without even connecting those two from the start of this podcast to the end of this podcast, it's come back to family. So like, I appreciate you for actually hitting on that. I don't want to cut you off. Did, was that, was that all no, you that had? Was good. That, that was, was good. cool. Yep. Perfect. So uh, for the last question to kind of bring us home with this podcast Matt, what is your advice for someone who wants to pursue their passion? Um, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I told not Sorry. to. I'm kidding. I had to. Um, <laughs> it is hard not to go that route. You can go that route. Not- just I was hoping you wouldn't lead with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, when important figures, this is what I find. Important figures go up and they take a Grammy acceptance speech. And they say, like, anyone... Like, I didn't think I could do this, but like they put the work in. Anybody can do it. That's what they always say. Anybody can do it. Some guy wins an NBA championship. Anybody can do it. All it takes, that guy, LeBron James, whoever it is that's taken that acceptance award, they one day locked in and were like, I'm not giving myself any option out. This is it. I'm doing this all day. I'm not screwing around. I'm doing dedicating every ounce of my being into doing this that takes a lot that takes a special type of person to do that but so many people have came across that that stage and said that same thing they're probably not wrong you know the Gallup picks thing if I wanted to which I think down the road I will go 110 percent into that open up a shop do national shipping, do, I mean, full blown, it'll work out because if you don't give yourself a way out, it's going to work out eventually, you know? So that's my one piece of advice. Uh, People have heard that before, but it's kind of true. You know, do you think like, oh, it's just la-di-da, whatever, like, oh yeah, anybody can do it. 
They're all saying it, so it must be true. No, it's facts, and I'm glad that you you wrapped up too with because I, I I could totally see you going 110 percent with the pick stuff. I mean, even like like I always say, when someone talks about something they're passionate about, they light up a little bit differently. Yeah. And talking about that, and then talking about the family aspect and the legacy, I could see something like that for you really working out. And like I, I always try to say too with people is like make sure you cover your bases, like make sure you can cover your bills. You got your 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 day to day, your life stuff. Like mm. like I work my day job, so I have my health insurance and my four hundred one k while I invest in this and continue to work. And maybe this doesn't become my full on um, income one day, mm-hmm. but it's something that I really enjoy doing, and it allows me to have conversations with someone like like yourself. And yeah. I appreciate shit like this. So thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on here, man. It's been fucking it. great. Um, let me start wrapping it up for you guys. If you guys like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, uh, share with your friends, share with your family, share with your grandma. You can check it out at the Carol connection. Simplecast.com. Also available Apple podcast, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms, as well as YouTube. If you like to watch podcasts. So till next time guys, peace. Peace.